I'm glad you're here. Thank you for making it out in this wonderful, delightful fall weather that we're having. Just refreshing and brisk. Um, if you don't know, my name is Eddie. I am the lead pastor here. It's a pleasure to be with you, especially if you find yourself here for the first time or, or as a guest or uh, someone who's maybe relatively new. I just want to thank you for, for making it out to, to church. You've, you've done it. Uh, look at your neighbor and say, you made it. It's a, it's a thing. For some, it's more than others. If you got kids, you made it. Maybe your kids didn't or, you know, one less limb, but you know, that's, you start with two. Well, it is, it is good to be with you. We have been going through a series and, and we're finishing up this series on on men and women of the Bible. And, and the goal of this, this series really has been to look at the lives of some individuals who God has deemed fit to be included in the Bible as examples of faith, examples of, of how we ought to live, and examples of, of where we need to make sure we don't go wrong. So in each case, we saw individuals who, who were used by God, but not necessarily always because they themselves brought a lot to the table. And in fact, many of them, uh, even, even David, who, who was a man after God's own heart, who was a man who, who God chose specifically for his heart and his alignment, was all of these individuals failed at some point, and yet God used them. So today, I, I want to talk about one individual, but before we get into that, I wanted to, to ask this question and for us to consider this as we're thinking about, about the, these people in the Bible. I want to ask you the question, who is the hero of your story. Now, before you just jump and do the Christian, Jesus is my hero. I really want you to stop and you don't have to tell your neighbor, but I want you to be honest with yourself. Who is the hero of your own story? Who is the hero of your own story? I was thinking about uh, this guy, Simon of Cyrene in, in the Gospels. He's just mentioned once. It's very offhand. It, it's a situation where Jesus has been, uh, he's been given the, the judgment that he's going to be crucified by, Pilate is given this judgment, and so he's, he's traveling to a Golgotha, and we see, and it's in each of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but I'm going to look at Luke chapter 23. You don't have to go there, but if you want to, it's Matthew, or it's Luke chapter 23, 26, and talking about Jesus, it says, and as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. Now, Simon is not a main character. He, he's a supporting character. But I have to imagine he's a dude. And like me, he thinks about life through the only perspective that he has, his own perspective. So he's living life. He, it's, very, it's, it's likely that he was not necessarily involved with the initial... Um, persecution of Jesus because it says that he had been coming in from the country. So maybe he's not even aware of all the things that are going on, but he comes and his life intersects with this situation that's happening with Jesus. And, and he's thinking, okay, I've got my own person. I've got my own story. I've got my own destiny. And he's foisted into this situation where he has to carry the execution tool of the son of God. And so he's walking up the hill carrying this cross. And I just wonder what kind of, what is that even like? I mean, what, what kind of thought processes are going on in his mind? 
And he goes and, and, and Jesus Christ is crucified. And, you know, we hope that maybe he hears that he's risen from the dead. But in that one moment, in that one intersection, he goes from being the main character to, to being really a, a, a bit of a, a, a small mention in, in the grand story of, of Jesus Christ. And, and today, we're going to look at another guy named Paul, and, and he, he's a guy that is going to help us to understand that we are meant to be secondary characters in God's story. doesn't mean we're worthless. It doesn't mean that we're unimportant. It just means that we were created for a purpose, and the purpose was to be supporting characters in someone else's main story. You and I were not the hero, and, and that's a good thing. Because the real hero is worthy. You don't want me to be the hero. If you, if you see me coming in with a cape, someone's going to call, you know, the police with the hopes that there might be a psychiatric hold for a moment. Because I don't, I don't have the qualifications that would make me worthy of a cape. We're going to look at Paul, who in many respects could have been a person who considered himself worthy, but found out that only Christ is worthy and that he was a privilege to, to celebrate and worship Christ as, as his king and as his hero. Turn with me to, to 1 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 12 through 17. And we're going to stand as we read this together as a congregation. This is 1 Timothy Chapter 1, verse, verses 12 through 17. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God to us. God, you are immortal, invisible, great king, worthy. Lord, we say that over this congregation first and foremost, that you are God. And I pray that as we consider your word, that we would orient our lives around you. That we would recognize that, that the gospel, the gospel's end goal is that we might worship. As JC said, that we are made to be worshipers. That we're most human, we're most authentic when we are worshiping the God who created us. Would you come, Holy Spirit, and, and draw our hearts up to worship you with our lives? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
So Paul really begins his story as kind of the hero of his own story. And he's, he's very honest about it. I don't know about you, but I don't like to talk about my junk often. Um, I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, but, but for Paul, it, it's so, and really for all of us, but for Paul, it, it's so important that he give a picture of who he was before he met Christ so that people understand the real power of the gospel. And Paul understands this. And so he says time and time again, he gives this picture of who he was uh, before Christ. And really, he, he is, in many respects, the hero of his own story. Listen to the way he describes it in, in chapter, uh, chapter 22 of, of the book of Acts. Now, he didn't write the book of Acts, Luke did, but Luke is recording his words. And he's speaking to some people about his credentials. And he says this. In chapter 22, verses 3 through 5, he says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in uh, uh, Cilicia, but brought up in the city, educated at the feet of uh, Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. So he's, he's saying, I grew up as, as one, of the, one of the students of one of the greatest teachers in, in the Jewish community. I persecuted this way, the way being the Christian church, it was called the way at the time, to death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. He's saying, I was doing the work of, of, the, uh, of my Jewish sect. I was per- persecuting. I was, I was in all the way. There was no question on my behalf. There was no question on my part of, of how committed I was to this task. He said, from them, talking about the elders, I received letters to the, to the brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. This is, this is his resume. He says something similar in, in the, book of, uh, the book of Philippians when he's talking to the Philippian church about his transition from being a persecutor to being a, a lover of God, a lover of Christ. And he says in chapter 3, Verses four through six. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. He was a strict follower of the law. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever I gain, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. See, Paul understood that prior to his relationship with God through Jesus Christ, prior to his conversion, he had an idea of who who he was, and it involved this this record of self-righteousness. Now, certainly he worshiped God. He believed that God was creator. He had relatively orthodox Jewish beliefs about God creating all things, but, but there's this sense that he stood on the merit of his own behavior, he stood on the, own, the, the, the merit of the work that he had put in, the things that he had done. This was what made him who he was. He lived with a self-righteous confidence in all his credentials. Now, most of us, I would assume, are not Pharisees, but, but I think that we can come to this table with credentials. What are your credentials today? What are the things that you trust in to bridge the gap between you and God? Is it, is it your good behavior? You know, I'm, I stopped cussing God. I stopped lying. And I'm, I'm not sleeping around anymore. 
What is it that, that bridges that gap? You know, I'm, I'm relatively good at work. I, you know, I don't, I stopped stealing staples. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not as bad as that, that lady or that, that guy. What credentials do you have? I'm, I'm philanthropic. I give, I give lots of money away. I give to the church. Doesn't that, doesn't that mean that I have access to God? It's good to give to the church. I'm not saying don't do that. But, you know, we don't build the bridge from us to God with money. What credentials do you trust in today? And, and Paul states the, the reality of his status before God in pretty negative terms in 1 Timothy. Right? He doesn't talk about it in terms of, I, I did all these things, I was all things. He, he boils it down into the real perspective that God had. He was a blasphemer. You know, when, when Paul saw Jesus, he didn't see the Son of God. He saw someone who was working on behalf of the devil, and he treated Jesus as such. He treated the followers of Jesus as such, as individuals who were servants of Satan. He was ascribing to Satan the works of God. He was blaspheming. He was doing one of the worst things that you can do to say uh, something that God is doing is the work of Satan, right? To say that something that, which is actually good is bad. He was being blasphemous. He goes on to say, and he was a, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent. He persecuted the church and he, his life was oriented in opposition to God and Christ. Now, according to that, we can all, you know, I think most of us are like, well, I didn't do that. But, but at the root of our soul is this little thing the Bible likes to talk about as rebellion. This little seed that is an insolent opponent of God, both in you and me. And so we don't, we don't get to skip away from Paul's assessment, even though our actions may not be in the same measure as his. Paul found that he was a, he was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. None of his previous credentials qualified him. And in, in fact, he was, he was opposing the only one who could actually save him. It says it in, in verses 13 and 14. I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief and what happened? And the grace of God, the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Paul's life serves as an example and encouragement for us. The real good news is that, that Paul is giving us a picture and he's, he's painting a stark picture on purpose. He's saying things were bad. They were really bad. And we're saying, yes, Paul, they are bad. You know, when Jesus has to kick you off your horse to get your attention, things are bad. If you don't know the story of Paul, that's how he gets converted. God kind of effectively kicks him off his horse and blinds him. Um, it gets his attention. When, when God has to do that to get your attention, then things are, things are bad. Maybe you're in a situation now where God is trying to get your attention. If you're at church right now, I can assure you God is trying to get your attention. His life serves as an example. Look at verses 15 and 16 with me. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost. That word foremost there, it's... Uh, Protus, it's first. He said, I'm first. In the race, 
to be the worst, I win. <laughs> he's first, he's foremost. Christ came to save sinners and I am the worst of sinners. I am the first of sinners, but I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the first, as the winner of the losers, Jesus Christ might display perfect patience as an example to those who were, believe, who were to believe in him for eternal life. This is, this is the good news that, that Paul's life ended up being centered on. That even though he was the first of sinners, even though he was the worst of the worst, even though probably if he had had the opportunity, he would have swung the hammer and crucified Christ himself. Even though that was his status, God chose to save him. God chose to redeem him. And, and if, you, if you read the conversion story of Paul, it's, it's not this conversion story where it's like, Jesus, I need you. And Jesus is like, okay, well, come on. We'll work together and you'll get saved. No, Paul was anti-Christ. He was anti-God. And God said, and, and turned things around completely for him. He got his attention. The gospel that Paul received was the central driving force of his new life. He talks about it all the time. And, and when, when, when theologians and, and Bible scholars look at the Bible, look at the New Testament, they talk about Paul and Paul's focus is this gospel. It is Christ. It is Christ crucified and the redemption that comes through it. He talks about it in Romans, this book, big book, if you've ever read it. In Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, it, this is the theme of the whole book. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Gentile. For in it the righteousness, uh, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. P Paul understood that, that this gospel was the thing that would, would allow, it would bridge the gap in a way that his, his actions, his life, his background could never do. He says it in, in 1 Corinthians. He, he reminds the Corinthian church of the gospel and he says this, I delivered to you as of first importance what I received. Right? He says, I gave to you the most important thing that I received of all the things that I had heard from God, which by the way, if someone comes to you well, now you have to be careful. But at the time, if someone came to you and, and said, uh, God has told me, and, and that person was trustworthy, you need to listen, right? Now, if someone comes to you and says, God has told me, please weigh that with scripture and talk to a wise counsel. Because sometimes it's true, sometimes it's, it's wackadoo. Um, but in Paul's case, it was not wackadoo. It was, as we find out now, scripture. He says, for I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried with, uh, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to, to Peter, it says Cephas, but that's Peter, and then to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers, dot, dot, dot. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. And even here he says, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. Paul understood that the gospel was this central message that really shifted around who the hero of his life was. It went from being Paul and his credentials and his righteousness, making him the hero of the story, to now Jesus Christ and his credentials qualifying Jesus or qualifying Paul and allowing Paul to be part of 
Christ's story. How do you relate to the message of the gospel today? I think many of us, especially if you grew up in church, you relate to the gospel as, as a, you know, it's a ticket to the fair. You get it, and now you get to go ride on the rides. But the ticket itself doesn't mean a whole lot, right? It got you in. Now you can throw it in the trash and move on to the big fun things. Or, or maybe you, you see it as, as the, the starting line of the race, and you're running the race, but you don't need the gospel because that was at the beginning. For, for Peter, or not for Peter, probably for Peter too, but for Paul explicitly, the gospel, the gospel was the fair. The gospel was the race. When you, when you believe the gospel, when you receive the gospel, you receive a person. You receive Christ. You don't just get access to a party. You don't just get access to heaven. You don't just get taken out from, from uh, damnation and hell. You get a person. And you don't leave the person away. Like, you don't leave the person at the, at, at the beginning, right? You don't say, Jesus, thank you, shake his hand, and then walk away. No, the point is Jesus. Don't leave Jesus. This was the good news. For Paul, the, the gospel was both the compass and Christ was true north, right? The, the, the gospel got him to the point, which was Jesus. Right? Jesus is not, if Jesus is the means to another end, Jesus is not your God. If, if Jesus gets you the things that you need, Jesus is not your God. Now, that's not to say that Jesus will not provide. Jesus will provide as a means to show him that he is your God, that he is your Lord. But if you come to God, if you come to Jesus Christ in order to get other things, you are worshiping the other things. Again, we're not talking about provision. Hear me, family. We're not talking about, I need these things for the sake of my family, God. Can you provide? God lovingly provides as a good father. Jesus makes a way for us to relate to the father in order that we might receive the things that we need. But what does that scripture say in Matthew? Seek first what? The kingdom of God. Don't seek these things because these things don't matter. Seek the God of the kingdom and he will provide as you seek him. For Paul, Jesus was the point. And his life was intended to point us to the depth of God's grace and available, availability of the gospel. Family, what, what, what prevents you from coming to God today? What prevents you from coming to God today? What prevents you in a moment from, from, from praying honestly before God? You know, when you sit down and you hear a message like this or, or you hear one of your friends talk to you and, you, you know, it'd be really great if you came to church. It'd be really great if you, why don't, why don't you pray with me? What is the, what's the friction that you feel? Is it, you know, I would come to God, but I've got this situation that I need to deal with. I would come to God, but, you know, I've got this sin issue that, that I, don't, I don't want to admit to anyone that I have. I've got this brokenness in my family that, that I, I don't, I'm afraid if I went to church, people would judge me. God wouldn't receive me. People have always told me I'm like this. I'm always going to struggle with this. I, I can't. What prevents you from coming to God? Because listen, listen to Paul's words again. Christ came uh, into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy so that Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. God raised up Paul. 
I mean, listen to this, guys. God raised up Paul to be an example of how terrible of a person he'll accept into his kingdom. I mean, that's, that's kind of a bummer for Paul. It's also grace because he still saves him. But, but the example that God is giving us in, in Paul is not to say, you better clean yourself up before you get to church. You better clean yourself up before you pray. You better clean, up your, clean yourself up before you try and ask for forgiveness from me. No, he's saying, if I'll forgive Paul, then I'll forgive you. If I'll accept Paul, then I'll accept you. If, I'll, if I can use Paul, I will use you. Please hear me, family. God will receive you. Not because you're worth it, but because Jesus is worth it. The good news is not that we clean ourselves up. Paul tells us that. The good news is that God has made a way in Christ. Ultimately, Paul's life points us to a life that recognizes Jesus as the hero. We talked about it at the beginning. My question, who is the hero of your life? And even if you don't feel like you're the hero, who, another way of saying it is, in, in, the, in the galaxy of your world, who is the sun? Who is the sun? Not S-O-N, S-U-N. Around what or whom does everything else orbit? Does everything orbit around you and your problems? Maybe you don't feel like you're the hero. Maybe you feel like you're the ultimate villain and, and everything revolves around you and you are so, woe is me. I'm, I'm unsavable. I'm unfixable. My life is always going to be like this and everything revolves around your brokenness. God couldn't help me because I, I'm just a black hole of, of, of black terribleness and nothing can, or, or maybe you think you're pretty awesome. I don't need God. But there are two, two sides of the same coin. Pity and pride. Who, who's at the center of your life? Listen to, what, listen to what, what Paul says. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Those are words that were penned to roll off your lips. Those are words that you were created to say. He says it in so many other places when he talks about the point of the gospel and, and the, the, the worship that he experiences. In, in Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 20, he says, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers, all things were created through him and what? For him. And he is... Before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Paul's trying to say it's about Jesus. Everything was created by Jesus, for Jesus, to Jesus. And if, if you think that it's just an issue that the Colossians had to deal with, let's look at Ephesians. Another letter written by, by Paul. Ephesians chapter 1, verses um, uh, 
verses 21 and 22, talking about Jesus. We'll start in 20. Uh, talking about this power. I pray that you'd have this power that it worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, talking about Christ, uh, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Where? Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and, and government and strength and, and corporation and, and world issue. Far above all these things and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but the age to come. And he put all things, what? Under his feet. We don't even stand up to his hip. Your biggest problems don't even come up to here with Jesus. He's looking down at them. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's look at, a, let's, let's look at Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Therefore, God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Does that sound familiar? So that at the name of Jesus, what? Every knee should bow. Some voluntarily, all will bow. Some involuntarily. On earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's look at Romans chapter 11. Verses 34 through 36. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given, him, given a gift to him that he might be replayed? Repaid, And the, the implicit answer is no one. For from him and through him and to him all, are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Family, I'm sorry. You are not the hero of your story. You're not even the main character. I'm not the main character. I mean, just step back and think about creation. We talked about this the other day. Um, all of creation worships God. That means that the, the grass that are, that's outside that is really cold and, and really soggy and the soil and, and all of that, it's worshiping God. The, the frogs, the gross slugs that seem to come out all the time at my house, um, the, the stars, the, the, the meteors, the, the dirt, the, the earth's core, I mean, the, the deer that still come around Ashburn because the, the habitat is being chopped up, um, the bears in Front Royal, I mean, all the stuff that's happening on other continents that we don't know about, the waters, all the crazy stuff that exists in the water, in the ocean, it's all worshiping God. Amen. You think I'm the main story, I'm the main point of my story? I'm just a speck in creation. I'm less than a speck in creation. The gospel is the good news that God cares about this speck, that he would take the main point and sacrifice the main point of the story for the sake of a speck. Paul understood that the, life of, the, the point of his life was praise. As we talk about all these people of the Bible, the point of their lives was praise. When God created the world, he created it for praise. And this is not the praise that's due to, to an insecure, like, oh, tell me I'm beautiful type person. No, this is, God is the only individual in all of creation, outside of creation, that is worthy of our praise. So for him to say, you should praise me, it's our greatest benefit. It's the best good that he could give us to say, this is how you should live. If I tell you that you should praise me, I'm a crazy person. Because you and I both know I don't deserve your praise. But the difference between me and God is everything. And he deserves our praise. If you're the hero of your story, the point is your own glory. If you are the hero of your story, the point is your own elevation. If, if you're the hero of your story, the point is your own victory over all your enemies. 
But if Christ is the hero, then the point is worship. If Christ is the, is the hero, the point is God's glory. And if Christ is the hero, then the point is, as he says, God's honor. But, but they're not disconnected. Paul lived a life of worship, right? He, he doesn't say this. He, these are not words that, that come off as, as uh, I should worship God. You don't say things like this. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, to be, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He, he's overflowing with worship. Right? This is a guy who's gone to the Super Bowl. His team has won, and they just won in overtime. And he's like, yes! What? No? No one? Okay. He's worshiping, and it's good for him. Right? When... Here's an analogy that I can get on board with that maybe you can get on board with. When you taste a warm pie, and you take that first bite and it's delicious and amazing, sometimes just something comes out, mm, comes out of you. That's worship. That's appreciation. That's thanksgiving. And God has said, I have created you to go, mm, to all the goodness that God has for you. Okay. Side note, side note, guys, let's just, this is why God gives us things to enjoy. So that we get a picture of what it looks like to taste and enjoy God. Right? That's, that's good. Enjoy cake, enjoy pie, enjoy exercise, enjoy whatever the, the, the honorable, good, godly thing that you enjoy. But, but don't let that be the thing that, that the enjoyment uh, terminates on that. Let that be something that points to the God who is so good as to give us opportunities to enjoy these things. You were made to worship so who is the hero of your story today? Who is the hero of your story? We could go and we could, we could go verse by verse and book by book and see that, that God is, God is the, the hero of the Bible. Jesus is the hero of, of the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament. And he, he is intending to be the hero of your story. And that is a good thing for your life. It is a good thing for Jesus to be the hero because ultimately it allows you to have that mm moment. I mean, it... Be honest with me. Have you ever had moments with, where you were left with your own self and you're like, oof. You know, you look at your life and you're like, yeah, I, I get it. I don't like it either. I mean, I'm just being honest. That's, that's my life sometimes is, is you do a reflection and you're like, oh, somebody, can someone else come into the room? Because this is, I'm a little sad. And we laugh and, and I mean... But the reality is, is there's so much depth to the goodness of God being the hero of your story. It's, it's a story that you belong in. You know, a story where I'm the hero is really short and very boring. It's 80 years in the span of thousands and thousands of years. And my feats of greatness are like getting to church on time. You know, not getting angry when someone cuts me off... That's not greatness. That's not a story. The story of God is the story of creating all things for his purpose with an end that he began and planned before he created it. Of creating individual specks and being so interestedly involved with their lives that he would take his own son and allow him to be sacrificed for their benefit. That's a great story. It's a great story to be a supporting character in who is the hero of your story today 
Let's pray. God, would you make would you make yourself the hero of our stories? If you're in this room and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, you've, you've considered your, yourself the one who can bridge the gap between you and God, but now you realize that you can't bridge that gap, that the, the depth of your sin and the, the cost is too great, my encouragement to you is that, that the hero of our story, part of the reason he's the hero is he was able to bridge that gap by his life, death, and resurrection, that, that Jesus lived a perfect, righteous life that we all should have lived. He died a death that we deserve, and he rose again, defeating Satan's sin and death and offering eternal life to us if we would trust him. If you want to trust him today, raise your hand. I just want to, I want to pray with you, and I pray, want to pray for you. Great, I see that hand. Once it's up, you can put it back down. Okay. If you just raised your hand, I want you to pray with me. Jesus, I understand that I am not the hero of my own story. I want to turn away from everything I know to be sin, to be rebellion, to be disobeying you. And I want to trust you as my God, my Savior, my leader, my Lord. And I want to live my life the way you would have me live. I want to worship you with my life. If that's you, please don't leave today without talking to someone. Um, one of the, the leaders or or someone around you. Just grab someone and talk to them about the decision that you made today. God, we pray that you would help us to, to live lives that reflect the goodness of being supporting characters in your great story. Lord, help us to appreciate what a great story you're creating and how, how much of a privilege it is to be a part of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you, family.